Thanks for choosing a 3CR podcast. Throughout June, we're running our annual Radiothon, when we ask you, the listener, to make a donation so that we can continue to make great radio. Your donation will help keep us community-owned and community-controlled. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash donate. And with that done, please enjoy your podcast. Good afternoon, listeners. This is the Dogs Program, the Australian Council for Defence of Government Schools, and we're here every Saturday. Rain, shine, plague. We're still here because we're here to promote and to defend public education. And we've got what we hope is an interesting and relevant program for you today because we are in the time of plague. We've got a press release, 921, in times of plague, private schools game the system. And there's quite a lot of meat in this. Uh, and uh, we've got Peter with us. Oliver's not able to be here, but Peter's taking Oliver's place and Jeff's place too. So we've got Peter who'll be telling us about um, what's going on with the jabs and private schools and how they're gaming the system. As well as that, uh, over in uh, Canberra, Trevor Cobalt has been unearthing some more interesting material about the way the private schools have gained the JobKeeper system. Then we are going to tell you about where the teachers are at. In a couple of weeks, in spite of the fact that the antigen tests are almost unobtainable, if you try to get them in our local chemists, Despite the fact that the children are, are returning to school and parents are having great problems getting them vaccinated, although they're told that they have to be vaccinated, uh, and teachers themselves are having problems getting booster shots, they're going to send everybody back to school. And in spite of the fact that we're now at Code Brown with our hospitals, our children are going back to school. So where are the teachers at in all of this? Where are the parents at in all of this? And where are we at in all of this? It's very, very troubling times indeed. Uh, so Maddie's going to talk about the babysitting service that the teachers think they're involved in. And Sorrell's going to tell us about how Australia's about to feel the full brunt of the teacher shortage in times of play. And um, as well as that, Dale's going to be Jeff today and tell us what's going on in America, where they're bringing in the parents because there aren't enough teachers, because they're isolating with um, the, the plague. I, I, don't make, I make no apology for talking about plagues rather than Omicrons and Deltas and Alphas and what have you. Uh, we are in a pandemic and a pandemic is not an endemic thing, it is a plague. 
but we still have our great state school from Maggie. So stay with us and we will get to something that's positive and exciting with Maddie and our great state school. But let's go to press release 921. In times of plague, private schools game the system. And here is Peter to tell us what we have to say about this. Thank you, Jane. Yes, I'm going to talk about in times of plague, private schools game the system. The behaviour of the private school sector in the current time of plague in Australia has proved once again that their sense of entitlement knows no bounds. <clears throat> Not only they game the funding system again and again with JobKeeper as the latest example, that is after all only money and children's opportunities on the line. First in line for the jam. With the return of children to school in times of limited vaccinations, and testing kits, there is the question of entitlement to life itself for public school teachers and children. Teachers and children in public schools are expected to return to school, but there's no guarantee of vaccinations or even antigen tests when they do. In times of plague, this is madness. Yet again, at least two schools Furbank and Brighton Grammar in the private sector can market themselves as first in line. They have piggybacked themselves onto a government-funded contract for aged care. After being approached by the school's TLC Healthcare, administered vaccines and provided rapid antigen tests to Furbank's staff and high school students at their medical centres. But with news that the government would allow younger children to be vaccinated, it was decided to move the immunisation program onto Furbank campus for students and for those from nearby Brighton Grammar. And we discovered all of this uh, in a Australian Financial Review, which I will quote from now. Uh, that is uh, Australian Financial Review of January the 12th, I quote. On-site vaccination clinics for primary aged uh, children from two Melbourne private schools will save parents from the hustle, lost time and multiple disappointments experienced by countless others this week as they sought to access hard-to-find Pfizer jabs for their children. Still quoting, on January the 12th, 130 students aged 5 to 11 received their first government vaccination at GP supervised clinics at Fairbank Grammar School in Brighton. And another 270 staff and students received booster shots. The scenario will be played out each day over the next two weeks as Fairbank and nearby Brighton Grammar hope to protect their communities from the rampant Omicron variant. Fairbank Grammar Principal Jenny Williams said the school would provide vaccinations for kindergarten and primary schools children on site and would provide a booster program for already vaccinated older students and staff. In October, rapid antigen tests made available to any student and staff member who wish to take one. 
an offer that proved popular. While the federal government has been adamant that they've not been supply, they've not been supply issues with vaccines for five to eleven year olds who have been eligible for a jab since Monday, there are multiple reports of parents either not being able to secure an appointment or having them cancelled or postponed at the last minute. Unquote. So while the general populace are confronted and local pharmacies have run out of antigen tests and public school parents are forced to send their children to school unvaccinated because they have not been able to obtain appointments for the jab, private schools can market themselves as first in line. It's not interesting. And they're doing it by getting a government contractor that are supposed to be, this contractor is supposed to be giving jabs to people in aged care. And we're finding out that there are large numbers of aged care facilities throughout Australia that haven't yet received their jab. Just what is going on? Well, what is certainly going on is that somebody knows somebody somewhere in the system and these particular schools are first in line and they're marking themselves in this way. It's really quite frightening, isn't it? But um, there are other things going on as well. As we've been telling you in previous weeks, Trevor Cobalt from Save Our Schools in Canberra has been looking at the Charities Commission website and discovering the JobKeeper overpayments to the private sector. But I think that when we read the next um, information for you, which is fascinating, you have to remember that we're dealing with the so-called independent schools. That is, they're independent of systems. They are not independent of the government, the taxpayer funding or anything else. They are only independent in that they're not really accountable. And they haven't been found accountable for what they did with JobKeeper. They took JobKeeper and they really didn't need it and they've made profits in the way the big corporates have done. But we do not know what happened to the JobKeeper that was paid to the big systems like Roman Catholic and the um, Anglican and the other systemic schools. But Sorrell is going to tell us what happened to the JobKeeper scandal in New South Wales, where the private schools have published millions from JobKeeper. Over to you, Sorrel. Thanks, Jean. So the latest JobKeeper scandal, trolling through the papers of the Charities Commission on January 17th, Trevor Cobol from Save Our Schools has unearthed how New South Wales private schools profited from JobKeeper. 33 New South Wales private schools raked in $72 million in JobKeeper payments in 2020, whilst making profits of $72 million. Every school made a profit with JobKeeper and all except two increased their profits over the previous year. Some of the state's most privileged schools got four to eight million and made millions in profits. Just 10 schools got 46.5 million and made 44 million in profits. The King School topped the list of JobKeeper payments with about 8.5 million. 
The school refuses to disclose exactly how much it has received, but according to its annual report lodged with the Charities Commission, the payment is included in the item Other Income, which increased by $8.6 million in 2020. It made a profit of $8.3 million. It also got $12.8 million in recurrent government funding. King's charges $40,000 for year 12 fees. 69% of his students are from the highest socioeconomically advantaged quartile and 93% are from the two highest quartiles. It has net assets valued at $183 million. Next on the list of top JobKeeper payments was Mariah College. It got $6.7 million and made a massive profit of $11.9 million. It also got $9.4 million in government funding. 63% of its students are from the top SEA quartile and 89% are from the top two quartiles. According to its annual report on the school website, it has assets of nearly $100 million. St. Joseph's College got $6.7 million from JobKeeper and made a profit of $1.1 million. It also got $9.7 million in government funding in 2020. Uh, 56% of its students are from the top SEA quartile and 85% are from the top two quartiles. It has assets of nearly $130 million. Other highly privileged schools also received millions in JobKeeper payments. For example, Kinross Willaroy School in Orange got $4.9 million and made a profit of $4.5 million. Lindisfarne Anglican School got $3.9 million and made a profit of $6.4 million. The Armadale School got $3.6 million and the profit was $2 million. Emmanuel School got $3.4 million and the profit was $3.1 million. And Masada College got $2.7 million and their profit was $1.4 million. These schools also serve highly privileged families. Around 50 to 80% of their students are from the top SEA quartile, and 80 to nearly 100% are from the top two quartiles. These profits made courtesy of JobKeeper enable these schools to increase their resources and expand their facilities for their very privileged students. JobKeeper has proved to be a gravy train for many New South Wales private schools. Each of the 33 schools made a profit with the help of JobKeeper and 31% increase, sorry, and 31 increased their profit over that of 2019. Mariah College increased its profits by a massive 10.7 million. None needed JobKeeper to stay afloat. Most had very secure financial cushions to weather downturns in revenue courtesy of their high fees and multi-million dollar assets. The greed of these highly privileged schools is obscene. They grasp any opportunity to get their snouts in the taxpayer trough. Yet they see themselves as having superior moral values that are central to their elitist culture. For example, the King's School prides itself for developing leadership skills and says it is committed to the development of good character and those values that are consistent with a caring and Christian community. Mariah College says it promotes Australian values and good citizenship. St. Joseph's College says that it challenges its students to become knowledgeable and compassionate leaders for the common good. 
if they lived up to any of these stated values or had any common decency, they would give the money back, as some firms have done. As Senator Rex Patrick said, to take the money without being affected is to abuse the goodwill of the taxpayer and to deny taxpayers other much-needed services in areas such as healthcare, aged care, and indeed education. Questions remain about whether other New South Wales private schools also receive JobKeeper because their financial statements lodged with the Charities Commission are vague about the sources of some increases in income. For example, Unity Grammar received an increase in other government subsidies of over 1,000% worth 2.1 million, which helped it make a profit of 2.6 million compared to the 0.7 million in 2019. St. Scholastica's College received an increase in government funding of 4.5 million, which helped to make a profit of 8.5 million, up from 4.7 million in 2019. Oxford Falls Grammar had an unexplained 365% increase in other income of 2.8 million, which helped it make a profit of 3.9 million. The Morrison government has readily resorted to prosecuting ordinary people that may have got overpayments of a few thousand dollars from Centrelink. It has been unforgiving in pursuing them at length and rigorously. But if you are a wealthy private school, you get away with massive overpayments. It is a glaring double standard that favours the wealthy and hammers the poor. JobKeeper was just another opportunity for the Morrison government to provide even more special funding for private schools. It is the icing on the cake of a huge funding boost for private schools through a highly flawed method of determining their financial need and by special funding deals not based on need, such as the $1.2 billion Choice and Accountability Fund. New South Wales private schools have been showered with funds by the Commonwealth and the New South Wales government over the past decade, whilst public schools have been denied adequate funding. Government, Commonwealth and state funding for private schools increased by much more for public schools between 2009 and 2019. Government funding for Catholic and independent schools increased by 1,636 and 1,664 per student, respectively, adjusted for inflation, compared to only 1,095 per student for public schools. As a result, the total resources of New South Wales private schools far exceed those of public schools. The total income for independent schools was 25,000 per student in 2019, and that of Catholic schools was 16,000 compared to 15,000 in public schools. Wealthy private schools seized on JobKeeper with the connivance of the Commonwealth government to extend their massive resource advantage. For example, JobKeeper provided the King School in Parramatta with an additional 4727 per student to add to its income of over $43,000 per student. In contrast, Parramatta High School has an income of about $13,000 per student. The Catholic Archbishop of Sydney, Anthony Fisher, has conceded that Catholic schools have never had it so good in terms of funding. The same can be said of independent private schools. 
The resource advantage of private schools is set to continue for the rest of the decade under the terms of the Commonwealth State Bilateral Funding Agreements. New South Wales private schools were funded at 103% of their schooling resource standard in 2021, whilst public schools were funded at 87% of their schooling resource standard. Private schools will be funded at over 100% of the SRS until 2029, whilst public schools will only be funded at 91% of the SRS. As a result, public schools will remain massively underfunded, while private schools continue to be overfunded. JobKeeper for wealthy private schools has compounded the vast inequality in school funding in Australia. Their ruthless pursuit of greed must be ended by thoroughgoing reform of school funding to ensure that it is solely based on need. Yes, well, those are extraordinary figures, aren't they? The dogs, of course, uh, agree with it all, excepting uh, that if they should be funded on need. We say they've had 60 or 50 years of funding and they've proved themselves to not be able to deal with taxpayer funding. They are not accountable. They are undemocratic. They should be either taken over or be genuinely independent. Uh, in other words, we have been quite consistent in saying we are no state aid for private schools. But um, on the Save Our Schools website, there was a little bit of a reaction and uh, Dale will tell us uh, what uh, one reader said. Over to you, Dale. Thank you, Jean. Yes, David Margan said, the privileged corporate and Christian mates of this dodgy, incompetent conservative government reap the rewards while the Morrison team wrought our tax dollars in a desperate and corrupt effort to hold on to power via public service announcements, sports and car park pork barrelling rorts. As a nation, we need some leadership that is wise, imaginative, ethical and solely driven by the broad public interest. Don't vote for any of the coalition candidates. They don't deserve a scintilla of support. That's very interesting indeed. I think up there in New South Wales, the uh, uh, public school parents are getting fairly fed up. But it's not only in New South Wales. Uh, Canberra has also uh, got a, a bit of a problem with this JobKeeper. And Dale will tell us about what Trevor Cobalt has discovered in Canberra. Thanks, Jean. Yes, so this is from Trevor Cobold, and he's discovered that the JobKeeper jackpot is for Canberra Grammar. Canberra Grammar was a big winner from JobKeeper. It received one of the biggest COVID assistance payments of all private schools in Australia in 2020. It raked in $7.6 million, which enabled it to make a profit of $8 million, an increase of $5 million over the previous year. Grammar's financial statement, published by the Charities Commission just before Christmas, shows that it received the funding from JobKeeper and other COVID funding, such as the Early Childhood and Care Relief Package. It is absolutely disgraceful and immoral that Canberra Grammar got JobKeeper. The profits made courtesy of JobKeeper enable Grammar to increase its resources and expand its facilities for students from some of the most privileged families in Canberra. 
83% of students are from the top socio-educationally advantaged quartile and 97% are from the top two quartiles. The school was already wallowing in private and government funding and had multi-million dollar assets to cushion against any downturn in revenue. Just a few months before COVID struck, Canberra Grammar got a $20 million private donation from businessman Terry Snow. It is the largest donation ever given to a private school in Australia. The school also got $8.2 million in recurrent government funding in 2020, including $6.4 million from the Commonwealth and $1.8 million from the ACT government. It has assets worth $80 million, including financial investments of nearly $9 million. Clearly, it did not need JobKeeper to stay afloat. Save Our Schools has identified 168 schools around Australia that accounted for two-thirds of the $750 million in JobKeeper payments to private schools. Canberra Grammar got the eighth largest payout of all these schools. This was over double the average payment of $3 million per school. Grammar's grab for JobKeeper reveals an obscene level of greed by one of the three most exclusive schools in Canberra. It claims it is a community guided by Christian values. Well, if it lived up to these values or had any common decency, it would give the money back to the taxpayer. Canberra Grammar seized on JobKeeper with the connivance of Commonwealth Government to extend its huge resource advantage over public schools. Its JobKeeper payments amounted to an additional $5,954, so that's almost $6,000 per student, to add to its income of $33,000 per student. In contrast, nearby Tilopia Park School and Deakin High have an income of about $16,000 per student. As local Labor member Andrew Lee told the Canberra Times, JobKeeper was meant to keep battlers in jobs, not boost profits. The Morrison government says it can't afford to provide free rapid antigen tests to essential workers, yet the Liberals had no problems putting millions of dollars into the pockets of elite private schools. Another school that got JobKeeper was Orana School in Western. It got $2 million from JobKeeper and cash flow assistance. This enabled it to make a profit of $2 million after making a small loss in 2019 before COVID and JobKeeper. Orana School also received $4.5 million in recurrent government funding in 2020, including $3.5 million from the Commonwealth and $1 million from the ACT government. Questions remain about whether other ACT private schools also received JobKeeper because their financial statements lodged with the Charities Commissions are vague about the source of some increases in income. Canberra Girls Grammar got a one-off grant of $0.9 million, which is not explained, and Radford College got a one-off government subsidy of $0.4 million, which also was not explained. Well, the dogs have got a few thoughts about this, haven't they? These examples of schools in the private sector manoeuvring to get first in line for not only the good job, but for life and health itself for their students and teachers, proves that they're designed 
for an elitist rather than a democratic society. The JobKeeper figures in the Charities Commission apply only, however, to so-called independent schools, namely schools which are independent of the private systemic bureaucracies, certainly not from taxpayer funding. Taxpayers have no information on these figures, which would be considerably greater than even those exposed by COVID. The selfishness and the self-interest of the private sector knows no bounds. Their subsidisation in these nefarious activities by taxpayers' money casts a shadow over the future, not only of our public system, but that of our children and our liberal democracy. So we'll have a bit of a break. Do you need to renew your subscription? Make a donation. Or pass on some information to a programmer. We can't get to the phone all the time right now, but we're still here. You can call us on 03-9419-8377. Each weekday between 1 and 5pm and talk to a staff member. That's 03-9419-8377. 3CR Community Radio, here to stay. Yes, well, we hope you're still listening to the Dogs Program because we're now going to Maddie. Uh, and Maddie is going to tell us how the teachers' unions are reacting over the Prime Minister's isolation rule change. Over to you, Maddie. Thank you so much, Jean. Yet teacher unions have blasted Scott Morrison. They're accusing him of being offensive after he announced a new policy they have labelled a failure. Scott Morrison's announcement that isolation rules for teachers will be relaxed has been met with fury by unions, with one accusing the Prime Minister of being offensive and using schools as a babysitting service. Speaking after National Cabinet on Thursday, Mr Morrison said new Treasury modelling, based on New South Wales, predicted up to one in ten workers would be absent due to Omicron at any one time during a peak. He said this could then rise by a further 5% if schools closed. Mr Morrison said it was a daily balance to protect hospitals and stop workforce shortages, shortages sorry, when dealing with Omicron before announcing a new list of industries in which close contacts wouldn't have to isolate if they were asymptomatic and returned a negative test. I don't think Mr Morrison is worried about hospitals. I mean, we're already in trouble with the hospitals because he's opened up. So uh, this is extraordinary. Um, among them in that list were education and childcare. Uh, he said, so it is absolutely essential for schools to go back safely and to remain safely open if we are not to see any further exacerbation of the workforce challenges we're currently facing. And the health advice is they can go back. The Australian Education Union has now reacted with fury, saying that the Prime Minister continued to leave them empty-handed of a national plan before the return to school. The Prime Minister has failed to set out a national plan today, AU President Corinna Haythorpe said. She also said, after flagging a national plan last week, today all the Prime Minister provided was an announcement that there would be another announcement 
delivered within a frame that says schools must be open to provide a babysitting service for the broader workforce. This is deeply offensive and shows no respect for the thousands of dedicated and professional teachers, principals and education support staff who have worked incredibly hard to provide a high quality education during the extremely difficult circumstances of the pandemic. Ms. Haythorpe said they would be advising members not to go to work if they were worried. Good on her. The extension of the close contact isolation exemptions to include the education workforce will exacerbate the health and safety concerns that are already being expressed by our members. As a consequence, the AEU would advise our members that if they feel vulnerable as a close contact or they are worried about the potential risk to others, then they should not be going into a school environment. Ms. Haythorpe also said they wanted a national plan with guidelines that accommodated the needs of each state and territory as required. She says this national plan also needed to include priority access to rats and PCRs with clear and consistent testing, tracking and isolating protocols and procedures to manage staff shortages. It's very reasonable, don't you think? Mr. Morrison was asked on Thursday whether free rats would be prioritised for teachers and children in schools nationally, like with aged care and health workers. He told reporters, we will be confirming our views on that over the course of the next week and we are working through some arrangements for that. We had a very extensive discussion about that today with a range of views across states and territories about what the best way forward is there. It's just, it's just sidestep, sidestep, jargon, jargon. Mr. Morrison's, Mr. Morrison said there were a number of issues to consider, but teachers would be the higher priority to get the tests as they more commonly brought the virus into schools. He said, if that were to proceed, there are two issues, the testing of teachers, both in childcare and then in school settings. Primary is different to secondary because in secondary, mask wearing and things of that nature is more effective than with younger children. The situation is really quite extraordinary. Tell me, Dale, if you're a teacher, what would you do in this situation? One thing. I guess that's really obvious to me is the whole rights and responsibilities thing. People are bleating on about their rights to not get vaccinated and not wear a mask and stuff, but they don't understand that once you are engaging with a society that gives you rights, along with those rights come responsibility to protect your community. So as a teacher, I've been pushing to get vaccinated, to wear masks, to make it as safe as possible for students. I would certainly be pushing the government to absolutely make sure that rat tests were free and available and not mm -hmm. wait for another one of his flim flam announcements. He's just, uh, he's just an advertising not even an advertising executive, he's just an ad man and that's all he does is make announcements. So as a teacher, I'd be incredibly frustrated. I think I'd get a little bit more bullshit. I think that the uh, both the um, the teachers and the uh, and certainly the people in the hospitals should threaten to go on strike unless they're paid double paid danger money or they, they have every right to just not turn up to work if there's been problems. But... Um, 
the behaviour of the government towards the frontline workers, I find quite, quite, um, quite extraordinary um, and very sad indeed. Uh, yeah, it really lets you know what your government thinks of you as the broader public. Yes, indeed. And there's a, a level of, I believe, um, just abdication of responsibility. Absolutely. Uh, the, the plague is proving too much for them, so they're just holding up their hands and the devil take the hindmost. But I notice as I go into the street that, in fact, there is a voluntary lockdown on. Uh, people are very quietly putting on their masks and just not going out unless they absolutely have to. So it's going to be very interesting to see what actually happens on the day that school is supposed to go back. But we'll mm. have a bit of a break. And uh, Sol's got some ideas uh, about um, uh, Australia's about to feel the full brunt of the teacher shortage because it's not just um, the fact that we're in... Uh, Play, times of plague, uh, we're also very short on teachers in Australia. But um, after the break. Looking for an easy way to keep up with your annual 3CR subscription? You can now set up an annual debit from your bank account or credit card, and once a year your payment will be automatically deducted. You can cancel at any time and you'll get a reminder each year before payment. Be a constant supporter of Melbourne's precious independent community radio station and set up a recurring payment today. Just go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe. qualifications, their pay, their pensions and their working conditions attacked relentlessly by this government. I'm a proud product of a government funded primary school education and of a government funded secondary school education. Australia is one of the richest and luckiest countries in the world and there's no reason whatsoever why we can't have the very best public schools in the world. It's still not good enough that kids with disability miss out. You're listening to The Dogs, the defence of government schools on 3CR. Well, here we are still on The Dogs program. Uh, we hope you're still with us. Uh, we've certainly been pushing quite a lot of uh, sheer facts, figures and information at you today, but we thought it was necessary because we are in time of play and the situation for parents, teachers and children is potentially very dangerous indeed. But um, even before the plague struck us, uh, there was trouble in Australia about having too few teachers for our schools. Over to you, Sol. Thanks, Jean. So, yeah, as you're saying, the Omicron wave is likely to exacerbate Australia's existing teacher shortages and demanding workloads. As school starts at the end of January and beginning of February across the country, many teachers will be at risk of contracting COVID. They will need to stay away from work while others may choose to leave the profession altogether. 
To address parental concerns about teacher absences, the Prime Minister recently announced teachers will no longer be required to isolate at home for seven days if there are close contacts and if they don't have symptoms and return a negative antigen test. But unions have slammed this relaxation of rules, saying it will only add to safety concerns for teachers and children. States and territories are putting together a plan to open schools safely, which is set to be released on Thursday. But for schools to operate effectively and to avoid remote learning, Australia must have a long-term plan for recruiting and retaining teachers. This means lifting their professional status, improving work conditions and increasing pay. So what's been happening overseas? Other countries are seeing Omicron-fueled teacher shortages. In England, teachers have been told to combine classes due to staff shortages. In Canada, some provinces have had to delay opening schools. In Ontario, families who were previously notified when a teacher or child in their class tests positive will now only be notified when more than 30% of staff and students are absent. In France, teachers have gone on strike over what they have described as chaotic conditions. Schools in the United States, like in Australia, suffered from pre-pandemic teacher shortages and have struggled to stay open during the pandemic. Some states have recruited parents as stopgap substitute teachers, others returned to remote learning. Research in the US has made it clear that the pandemic has changed teachers' commitment to remaining in the classroom and has led to a high staff turnover. Australians may find themselves in the same position. Australia's teachers suffer from poor professional status, a lack of respect, problems with recruitment, poor pay relative to other professions, high workload, conflicting demands, and now the pandemic have conspired to create a perfect storm. A range of data and reports suggest the scale of the emerging teacher shortage will be serious. Low completion rates of teacher degrees, fewer than 60% of those who started the degree, alongside rising child and youth demographic trends, mean many schools, particularly in rural areas, will find things even more difficult over the next few years. Reports from the New South Wales Education Department, accessed by the New South Wales Teachers Federation, show more than 1,100 full-time secondary and special education teaching positions were unfilled in 2021. That's just in New South Wales. That is a lot of classrooms without a teacher. The documents also reportedly say the state's public schools will run out of teachers in the next five years. Five years, that's very soon. Meanwhile, states struggled to find casual and relief teachers to fill the, pre- to fill the pandemic exacerbated shortages in the past two years. Projections based on 2020 student enrollments, student to teacher ratio and student population growth suggest between 11,000 and 13,000 new teachers will be needed in New South Wales by 2031. Nationally, we have seen a chronic shortage in maths and science teachers, with the Australian Teacher Workforce Data Project still in development phase. After 10 years, there has been no systemic national tracking of generic or specialist shortages. 
the Australian Mathematics and Science Institute calculates that there is a 76% chance every student will have at least one unqualified math teacher in years seven to 10. That is wild. Long-term toleration of the teacher shortages in maths and science is particularly surprising as these are learning areas are critical to our economy. There are also well-documented declines in senior students taking these subjects, suggesting that we are already paying the price for this neglect. There has been no government reporting on the number of schools unable to meet their staff needs in 2021. But a number of social media reports have shown industrial action in individual schools where the remaining teachers were unable to maintain classes. Yes, well, this, means, this means, doesn't it, that there's just been no planning. Yeah. The children, the children were in, in the labour wards five years ago. We knew there was going to be a rising enrolments, particularly in the public sector, and uh, they just have not produced the teachers. And all they've done is punish people who have gone on to tertiary education with hex debts. Um, there's just no planning uh, for the future of our next generation. It's really quite frightening. But so we need a national plan, don't we, Sol? We definitely need a national plan. A large volume of research documents, the high and increasing workload of Australian teachers. In New South Wales, before the pandemic, teachers reported working an average of 55 hours per week and principals an average of 62. That's an average as well. With the pandemic increasing teacher workload, short staffing in schools will ratchet that up another notch. Unlike many countries, including England, Australia does not have a strategic plan to recruit and retain teachers. The New South Wales Teachers Federation commissioned an independent inquiry in 2020 into the work of teachers and principals and how it has changed since 2004. After reviewing international evidence and local data, the final report made a range of recommendations to recognise and increase in skills and responsibilities, help overcome shortages and recruit additional teachers needed to cope with the enrolment growth. Some of the key recommendations included increasing teacher salaries by 10 to 15% to bring them on par with other similarly educated professions, an increased lesson preparation time to improve promotions and career structure, an increase in the number of school counsellors, and a redu uh, reduce the curriculum and administration workload. Australia urgently needs a coordinated, long-term, politically bipartisan plan to strengthen teacher recruitment, placement and retention. With such a plan in hand, we will be better positioned to tackle the ongoing pandemic and what other, whatever other crises we may face in the future. Well, yes, um, that, that is very much to the point. Uh, but um, I'm not sure that Mr Morrison is really able to do it. Um, it's a long time since we've had plans. Uh, the Labor Party was... Um, was punished, wasn't it, for having even a taxation plan to pay for some of these things. Mm. And um, when uh, Miss uh, Gillard 
had plans for an education revolution, she was punished also. So one just wonders where we are going. Over in Texas, parents have become substitute teachers. What have you got to say about that, Dale? Uh, Principal Chris Aguero said that he he'd have to be prepared when his students returned to the classroom earlier this month after US holiday season ended. The latest wave of coronavirus has ravaged the country and the, he, he's a Texas principal deep in the heart of a state where vaccinations and masks are widely shunned. And so he knew it would be at risk and he was right. There's staff shortages and what is their solution? Asking parents to substitute. That is disrespectful to teaching uh, profession itself. He said that, you know, they've had a lot of teachers and families who've tested positive over the break um, and they weren't eligible to return with everyone else. And it's all about risk assessment. But uh, like many education leaders around the world, uh, they're doing what they can. They're trying to minimise the knock-on effects of the pandemic, like staff shortages, burnout, fatigue families, juggling work life. But in Massachusetts, dogs are being trained to sniff out COVID-19 in classrooms cafeterias uh you know if the virus is detected the authorities notifies the school nurse who immediately informs those who were potentially affected in washington dc the local council's giving out rapid antigen tests with staff and students now required to present a negative result in but in texas uh Aguero's independent school which caters for pre-kindergarten to year eight students isn't the only one calling on parents to help. Education officials in Hayes County, just south of Austin, recently posted a request on social media and emailed families asking them to consider filling in for teachers. The parents would still have to pass a criminal background check and do a short orientation, but principals can use their discretion to waive a requirement to have at least 30 college hours before a class. Um, you know, while the pandemic forces schools to innovate, the VEX debate over whether to keep classrooms open has exposed new fault lines between teachers, parents and governments, many of them in Democratic-led cities aligned with President Biden. Well, what's really worrying about this is that this was reported in The Age and uh, according to some of the comments, some people thought it was quite a good idea. Uh, just a thought said, please adopt this strategy. It would be great for those outside of schools to get a taste of the life of teachers. I wonder how many will return after a day or two. Um, yes, but, 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 but. They talk about a return to uh, online learning, but then quite rightly, people are, are saying, you know, that's where the fault lines are and that's where the haves and the have-nots really uh, come comes into play because it's you know those socioeconomically advantaged students that have access to internet and devices that can continue doing it online. So you know the whole sort of shift to doing schooling online just isn't a practical solution. But um, surely you know just having randoms coming into the classroom really it just says that teaching uh, teachers are glorified babysitters and that's couldn't be more untrue and well it's turning into a partisan issue so the 
Trump supporters are calling Biden's response a failed response when, you know, yeah. they've got the majority and they're not letting any of his suggestions go through. So it's yeah. just it's just a holy mess over there and we look to be doing the same. Well, yes, we seem to be going into that, but I'm beginning to wonder, we've got another two weeks to go before school goes back. Are you, are you a betting person? <laughs> I'm wondering how many teachers and parents will just demand that uh, the starting date be put back. Mm. It's going to be very interesting to see. So we live in very interesting times indeed. Yes, but let's have a good news story. Let's go to our Great State School of the Week. Every week on the Doctor Program we have a special segment to show a different state school is a great school. State schools are great schools. School of the Week. State school. School of the Week. Great state schools. State schools. School of the Week. School for the Week here on the Dogs Program. And this week's Great State School is South Melbourne Primary School. Congratulations, South Melbourne Primary School. I'm going to read you some things from their website. Their vision statement is inspiring hearts and minds to thrive. Isn't that gorgeous? Under their values banner, they have character, community and learning. And their purpose statement is we care for and educate children to be successful learners, confident people and creative individuals who are empowered to be active, empathetic and informed citizens. Their learning philosophy is at South Melbourne Primary School, every person is significant. Our educational philosophy supports every child to be safe, happy, connected and achieving. They develop a culture of gratitude, empathy, and active care of others in the environment. Very important. We aim to develop the essential skills of literacy and numeracy. We strive to develop professional excellence and knowledge of world's best practice, which uses data as evidence of growth over time. We constantly inspire students to become curious and engaged in authentic learning experiences. We teach and support social and emotional wellness and ensure children have an active voice in their development. Students will emerge resilient and self-motivated with the ability to articulate goals and growth. Here's a little bit of context for you. South Melbourne Primary School opened its doors for the first time in 2018 and is the first vertical government primary school in Victoria's history, catering for up to 525 students when it reaches full capacity. With conveniently located public transport nearby and a community park being developed, the school will foster a sense of belonging and a place for connecting locals and the school community. As I said before, the school values are character, community and learning. They believe in developing emotional and social intelligence in staff and students alike. <clears throat> they believe that people thrive when connected to each other and have a sense of a larger purpose in life. And they also believe that every child should be literate and numerate and curious about the world we live in. Um, teaching and pedagogy inside these spaces aspire to world's best practices and all staff operate in professional learning communities. Being able to operate as a contributing and compassionate team member 
is paramount. I'm going to chuck some facts and figures from the ACARA website at you. The school has 456 pupils and the ICSIA value of the school is 1,113, which is well above the average of 1,000. The students are hardly representative of the community. This is a well-heeled community. 55% have parents from 55% have parents from the upper um, quartile, 29% in the second highest quartile, 10% from the third quartile, and 6% from the poorest 25% of the community. But 78% of the pupils speak a language other than English and 1% are of Indigenous parentage. This is a school full of advantaged as well as disadvantaged students with a dedicated principal and teachers. It costs the taxpayer $11,764, which is well below the Gonski resource standard to educate a student at this school. That's a serious bargain. The school receives only $755,000 from the federal government and $2.8 million from the state government. $298,000 from fees and $233,000 from private fundraising. But the capital grants in the last three years have been only $545,000. All this public and private money is money well spent. The NAPLAN results of these students are just fine. So congratulations to the dedicated staff at this school in South Melbourne. And we hope that the start of your school year um, is safe and well protected. Well, thank you very much to Peter and Dale and Sorrel and Maddie for this afternoon's uh, program. If you want to find out more about us, there is our website at www.adogs.info. But our time is gone and it's bye for now. Where 
workers strike and organize. It's there you find your hill. It's there you find your hill. I dreamed I saw your hill last night, alive as you and me. Says I, but Joe, you're ten years dead. I never.